we're going to continue. We're going to continue our, our study on spiritual gifts. We, for the last couple of weeks, and, and I want to thank Billy for preaching last week, and 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 I know he brought a word, so I, I just want to thank him for that. We're going to continue today talking about, and this is the last one I'll do on this particular gift. But we've we've for two two weeks we've looked at the prophetic gift, the gift of prophecy, and we're going to look today at just a little bit more of it. And at the end of the service, uh, we're going to pray that God would would impart that gift in our body. This is the one gift that that Paul says, pursue it. Go. I mean, he he says especially this gift. This is a gift that that ministers to everyone. Okay? And it's not that it's a better gift than any other gift. We're going to pray for impartation on some other gifts as well, okay? And and you say, well, what's impartation? Well, we just ask God to give us the gift. All right? We ask Him to pour it out on us. That's, that's it. It's not some magical thing. If you want the gift, you desire the gift, then I'll ask you to come up. If you have the gift and you want more of the gift, we're just going to pray and ask Him. I mean... His word says, "You have not because you ask not." Okay, I'm. I just believe if you ask, then he'll give us what we what we need. So, later at the end, we'll do that. But t- today, I want to I want to talk about this gift a little bit and how this gift of prophecy might manifest itself in an individual. Okay, in other words, here are some ways that. I can look and I can see if if maybe I have this gift. Maybe I have the the, the just maybe I've maybe I've not cracked it open. Maybe I don't understand it enough. But you know what? These things may be happening to me, and this may be what's going on. There, listen, there's not just one way that God speaks. I want y'all to understand that. There's not just one way. There's not an only way that a prophetic message can can come to a person. God speaks to different people in different ways. And that person may even express what they hear in a multitude of ways. There's no right way. Okay, There there is a proper way. And there's a way to to express or to share what we've heard. But but the way God speaks is, is... Endless, okay, because he's infinite. And and the the thing is, it's not just true of this gift; it's true of every other spiritual gift. They're unique. Every one of them are unique. They may fall into a category, but their manifestation or how they work in you is unique. And if you remember what we what we talked about early on in First Corinthians chapter twelve, and I want I want to read. Verses 4 through 6. And I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying. He says, now there are a variety of gifts. Okay? Think about that for a minute. If you have a variety of something, you have what? Many. You have many different ones. So there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. In other words, there's not another Spirit that gives these. It's the Holy Spirit. Then he says there are varieties of ministry. So there are varieties of gifts that manifest. Then these gifts manifest in a variety of ministries. They, they don't all have to be done the same way. And, and listen, some people like cookie cutter. They like everything to be the same every day. I'm not that kind of person. And, and I, I just, I like variety in some things. God likes variety in everything. 
So that's why he gives the gifts in a variety of ways, and then he has a variety of ministries that they can be carried out of. And then he says this, he says, and the same Lord. And then he says, and there are varieties of effects. They, 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 are, they, 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 they have different manifestations, different ministries, and they create different effects. So what that says to me is, I can't measure my gift against your gift. No matter what happens. I can't worry about how mine manifests or how mine, the effects that it causes. I just have to trust God. You know, you may have the, the gift of, of prophecy, but it may manifest itself in a different mode than another person with the same gift, or in a different ministry than a person with the same gift. Or it may, it may have a total of different effect, but it's the same gift. I want you to remember this, and I've said this several times, but your gift, regardless of what your gift is, or your gifts, or your gift mix, is, is the Holy Spirit's unique manifestation through you. It's Him acting through you. We need to stop thinking about this is my gift. Alright? This is my gift. Instead, this is how the Holy Spirit manifests Himself and works through me. It takes pressure off of you a little bit. Puts the pressure on the Spirit of God. Now, one of the main keys in learning to, to use the gift of prophecy is to learn how God speaks. If, if you're going to be prophetic... You have to hear God, okay? Now that, well, you know what, that, that seems, but that's reality. If, if, if I don't hear him speak, I'm not going to be able to say what he said. And here's what I also want you to understand. God can speak and does speak to all of us, all right? There are none of us that are deaf, But if you have a prophetic gifting, he speaks specifically sometimes about specific things instead of generally as he talks to all of us in different ways. When I say generally, I mean about personal things that you're, you're, you're working with or different things. So we have to learn how God speaks. And this may help you this morning. You may not be prophetic, but you say, you know what, I want to hear God speak. I want to hear him talk to me because I want to talk to him. I don't think I've ever heard him say, well, this will help you as well. So let's look at, at first of all, some of the, the modes or the manners that, that God has spoken to people with the prophetic gifting. He may speak in, like I say, he may speak in different ways to, in, to different people with that gift. God can use supernatural means. He can also use natural means to communicate revelation to those people who are listening. Now, the very rarest form of God speaking, the very rarest form of divine revelation is the audible voice where everybody hears it. Okay? That's the rarest way that God speaks. But you know what? He may speak to you that way. I can't rule that out. Well, God spoke that way in the Bible, but I don't, I don't think he speaks that way anymore. Well, you know what? You don't, you'll not be able to prove that, so you're very likely wrong. Okay. Now, have you heard him speak? Well, not out loud like that, but just because I haven't heard him speak, my experience doesn't limit his ability. 
All right? So the, 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 the rarest form is in an audible voice. An audible voice is the clearest form of revelation, but when it comes, it brings with it the hardest tasks to perform. I want you to think back to the people in Scripture that God spoke to out loud, and people also heard it. He spoke audibly to Moses, and he spoke audibly not just to Moses, but to the Israelites. They heard God speak. They heard his voice. They heard him give the Ten Commandments. He spoke audibly to Jesus. All right? On three occasions that we know of. He may have spoken more. What was Jesus' task? He had a hard job, a hard mission to fulfill. He needed to hear his father speak in clear terms. Peter heard it. James heard it. John heard it when they were on the Mount of Transfiguration. When he was baptized, others heard it. But you know what they said? Oh, it just thundered. Because they'd never heard God speak before. So Jesus heard it. And, and if you study Scripture close, you'll find a place where Paul hears it, Ananias hears it, Peter and John. They all hear the audible voice of God. But each one of them had a very difficult task to fulfill. And it's rare in Scripture, but it still takes place. Because God still gives His followers impossible tasks to fulfill. Okay, He's still doing things like he did in the Bible. He's still speaking to men and women and calling them to walk in places that they cannot walk apart from having heard his voice and it being imprinted in your heart. You just think about Moses. You think about what he was called to do. And he didn't need to wonder, okay, was that God or was that not God? God made sure, hey, it's me. He talked to him out of a bush that burned but was not consumed. Jesus needed to hear his father's voice clearly. And so it's it's right. God chooses to speak. Then when God speaks, uh, there goes one of them. When God chooses to speak this clearly, and if he speaks to one of us in that way, it's likely that we are about to go through a very difficult experience where we need to be absolutely certain that God has spoken to us. All right? So he speaks sometimes in an audible voice. And by that I mean just like I'm speaking now, just as you hear me, everyone hears me. The second manner in which God speaks is in a voice that's audible only to you. Okay, you hear him. It's audible. No one else hears you. Say, so, Nelson, where do you get that at? Well, Samuel heard God speak that way. That's how God called him. He was there in the tabernacle and, and he was sleeping and, and he heard Samuel, Samuel. Well, he thought it was Eli. He thought it was the old priest that he lived with that was mentoring him and training him. And so he goes and says, what do you want? He said, son, I didn't call you. Go back and lay down, go to sleep. He does that three times. And finally, Eli realizes that God is speaking to Samuel. And he says, the next time he he speaks, the next time you hear it, say, here am I. Here am I. Your servant's listening. 
And so uh, many prophetic people have supernatural experiences like that. They hear that. They hear it like he, he, they hear it like a child. I mean, they hear that voice. But like Samuel, sometimes they don't realize it's God. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, listen to what Scripture says in 1 Samuel 3, 7. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. He knew about God. He knew about the things of God. He knew about the the priesthood. And he knew what to do at this time and that time. And he knew when this was supposed to be taken care of. And when this was cleaned out. And when this was put out. And when the oil was put there. And when the fire was lit there. He knew all that stuff. But he didn't know God. And this is a word for some of us. Okay. Some of us have come to Jesus. We've met Jesus. But we have never got to know him. We know about him. We know about we know lots about church. We know how it's supposed to function. We know we're supposed to come. We're supposed to sit. We're supposed to sing. We're supposed to have three or four songs. And when the songs are over, then we have a prayer. And then the preacher preaches. We have another prayer. We take up offering. And then we're free to go and do whatever we want to do. Okay? We know about those things. But we don't know what those things are about. And see... Christianity and following Jesus is not about church stuff. The Israelites, it was not about temple and tabernacle stuff. It was about following God and listening to God. And so Samuel did not yet know God, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. If God's given you a prophetic gift, he will reveal his word to you. Okay, in in a way you can understand. Now, it may not be with the audible voice out loud that everyone hears. It may not even be with the audible voice that you alone can hear. There are other ways. There's a third means. And I don't want to be confusing, but there's the internal audible voice that you hear in here, not here. Samuel heard it here in his ears. No one else did. But there's the voice that we hear inside here. And it's God speaking internally with us. With, and and he, when he does that, he, he, the words form and complete sentences form in a person's mind. And, and those words create emotions in our heart. And when God speaks that way, he uses our own thoughts and he uses our own language and he speaks to us. And when it happens, listen, you know it's not your thoughts. And you know it's not your words. And the voice comes with an authority that causes us to know that they are from God. You say, well, how can I know that for certain? Well, just listen. Okay? Does it make me feel guilty or shameful or dirty or afraid? Because if it does, listen, it's not his voice. It's the devil's voice. So that's easy to figure out. It's a little harder to figure out if it's his voice or my voice. But if it's his voice, let me just tell you, you will know it's his voice. It won't quit speaking. He won't quit talking. He will say the same thing again and again and again until you realize, okay, God, it's you. When I was very, very small, I don't even remember this. I just know it happened. I learned my daddy's voice. Okay? And as far as I can remember back as a little kid, I learned and I knew he never counted to ten. 
He never put me in time out. He never did any of those things. He didn't scream or yell. He just spoke. I knew his voice. I knew when he wanted something done. Why? Because I had learned the tone of his voice, the sound of his voice. And so if you're prophetic this morning, if, if God speaks to you, you have to learn to, 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 to listen and to discern his voice. And listen, when he speaks, he speaks with a different kind of authority. All right? There, there's really no question. And, and it's not something you, you need to worry about because it's a different kind of authority. And, and this is the way that God often communicated to the Old Testament prophets. When this happens, what's said is very significant and it's usually life-changing. So sometimes he speaks with an eter- internal audible voice. Now, sometimes God speaks through angelic beings. You say, where do you get that at, Nelson? Right out of the Bible. Okay? And there's no place, there's no verse that says he's not going to do it today. He did it all the way from the beginning all the way to the end of the book. So it's a common way that God speaks. Now, I need to make sure that the angel that's talking to me is one that came from him. All right? So how do I do that? This is a test today to see if y'all have been listening for the last... 10 weeks. How do I check to find out if it's truly an angel from God? I check the word. Do they? Yes. Those are two good ways. I ask some questions. Now, I'm not arrogant or bold after I, my knees quit knocking and I can finally get up. I, I, I check what's said by the word of God. I make sure it, it, it aligns with God's word. But God often used angels, his messengers, to speak. To. He spoke to Daniel through angels. He spoke to Mary and Joseph. He spoke to uh, Ananias. Uh, uh, not Ananias, but uh, Zach- is it Zacharias? Zacharias. I think that's right. If it's not, it's John the Baptist's daddy. Okay. And on and on and on and on we go. That's, do what now? Yeah, check the word. Don't don't believe me. Check the word, okay? He he used an angel to speak to Peter. Peter's in prison and, and God sends an angel. And and that angel speaks to him and, and lets him out of prison. He speaks to an angel uh when he when he sends Philip and he, he sends him down to, to visit Cornelius, who was a Russian uh, a Ru- <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be one of those days. <laughs> a Roman soldier, okay? They both start with an R. Whew, that crap got right out. Ah, Cornelius was a Roman soldier and, and a, a commander. And he, he sent, he sent, he sent uh, an angel to speak to him and to speak to his household. And, and Cornelius didn't even know Jesus. He was just a God-fearer. He was a man, he was a Gentile who worshipped Worshipped God. And when Paul, uh, Peter, uh, when Paul and his friends were on the ship and they were headed to Rome and, and, and the whole ship uh, was, was afraid that they were about to be dashed on the rocks, an angel gave him a prophetic revelation and said, hey, every person on this boat will live, but the ship's going to be lost. 
And that's exactly what happened. They are all supernatural means. All of these things, the the angels, the internal audible voice, the audible voice that only you can hear, and the audible voice that everyone can hear, those are supernatural means by which God can and does speak, not just to prophetically gifted people. He can speak that way to anyone he chooses. But very often, prophetic people will hear him that way. Now, there's some natural ways. And when I say natural, there really are supernatural because when you add God to natural, it becomes supernatural. Does that make sense? But they're, they're more uh, common ways. And one of the most common ways are through dreams and through visions and through trances. Okay? Dreams involve images accompanied by thoughts and emotions and they happen while we're asleep. Now, Let me just ask you a question. I'm not asking you if you dream prophetically. I'm just asking how many of you dream at night and you, I know everyone dreams at night, but how many of you remember your dreams in the mornings? There's a lot of people like that. Okay. I can remember three dreams in the last 25 years. Okay. I just, I I dream. I know I do. I mean, that's proven by by science that we all dream, but I never remember dreams. I just never do. But some people can get up in the morning, oh, I dreamed about this, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. But sometimes God uses your dreams. But listen, not every dream is prophetic. Some, dream come, some dreams come from eating late at night. Okay? Pizza will make you do that. Comes from other things. But dreams do happen. And, and, and they do have meaning. But when they happen... You'll probably know it. There will be uh, an Im- imprint in your heart. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. And if that's the case, write it down. Just, just record it. Visions are dreams that people have while they are awake. Okay? It's a little bit different. Dreams come when you're asleep, but visions are dreams that take place when you're awake. And trances are a visionary state that occur when you're wide awake. And people in trances have a profound loss of consciousness of their surroundings. In other words, everything disappears except what God's saying or what God's doing. And very often they lose control of bodily functions. They can't move. They're just they're frozen there. They can't walk away. They can't run away. In a vision or a trance, a person may hear an audible voice. They may hear God speak. Now, in the Old Testament, that was the normal way in which God spoke. All right? You you just go back and and you'll read uh, where God says, I speak to them in in dreams and and visions and trances. But you know what? I speak to Moses as a friend, face to face. So most of the prophets had trances. They had dreams. They had visions. But now... And that was normal, but Scripture says that something new is going to happen. All right? In Joel chapter 2, there's a passage of Scripture which Peter uh, preaches on the day of Pentecost. And this is what that, that passage of Scripture in Joel 2, 28 and 29 says. But I'm going to read Acts 2, 17 and 18. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit on all flesh. On, on who? All flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even upon my bond, ser- uh, bond servants or bond slaves, prophets, men and women. And I will in those days pour forth my spirit, and they shall prophesy. In other words, God's going to give dreams and visions and trances. He's going to pour out his spirit. Everybody's going to, going to ha- can experience that. And so in the New Testament, this is a, this is a, a times and also today, this is a, a, a common way in which God speaks to us. They become a normal, they should be, let me put it this way, they should be a normal part of our experience as believers, especially if we're prophetic. Maybe that's how God speaks to you. God has only spoken to me that way three times in dreams, and I think I may have had a trance one time. I'm just not sure. All right? I can remember it, though, and I'll share the word with you exactly what I got because it's a promise that makes me get up every day and go, I was sitting in Gardendale. I can take you to the exact place under the the upper deck in the in the area over by the offices, and all of a sudden, I mean, we're worshiping, we're praising, and then pastor gets up starts preaching everything gets quiet in my head everything goes black and i'm looking up in the upper deck and i hear god say this as clear as a bell now if you'll just hold on if you'll just trust me you will see revival okay i heard god say that all right if i hadn't heard god say that i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't continue to go after god because i'll be honest with you just going through the motion just being a pastor for being a pastor's sake don't get it, all right? <laughs> I could do a lot more and have a lot more fun being a plumber, all right? Just, just for whatever it's worth. That word keeps me going. Cause when? I'll have to, I mean, it was in 1990, well, it's probably 90, yeah, 94, 95. So it's been, y'all do the math, because I've already called the Romans the Russians and I'm afraid to add up. But I'm just saying, I heard God speak. I don't care what anybody tells me I didn't hear, I heard. And then, then I, and I don't know how long it lasted, but then all of a sudden I can hear the preacher preaching. I have no clue where he's at or what he's talking about because I've been somewhere else. All right? I, I think that may have been a I don't know. I just know God gave me a word that day. And I have pursued it, and I'm going to continue to pursue it. And if I don't have a church and I'm not a pastor, I'm still going to pursue it, okay? That, that, that's how much it impacted me. Because I dream of the day when I can be a, not just touch the places where God has been, okay? Not just go, would take us rabbit hunting, and my daddy could touch a place where a rabbit could be had been, and he would know exactly how long it had been. I don't want to touch where God's been. I want to be touched where God is, okay? Y'all getting freebies, there's a lot of them this morning. I got to go on, okay? So he uses trances, he uses dreams, he uses uh, uh, visions. But he also sometimes speaks to prophetically gifted people with sentence fragments or just a phrase. All of a sudden a phrase pops into your head and you know it's not you. You're thinking, where in the world did that come from? It might just be a word. It might be a single word. 
It just, it just appears. And, and those phrase, phrases or those words invade the mind and they suddenly appear. And it, it just happens in our mind in a way that we realize we didn't think that up. They just kind of appear suddenly out of nowhere. God speaks that way. God also uses impressions, okay, to bring prophetic messages. The Holy Spirit influences our feelings, our physical senses, our minds. Very often God will speak that way. He uses nature with me. He shows me things in nature, and I can hear his voice through what I see. I can't explain that, all right, but I just, it just happens, all right? I know some other people like that, and I'm not going to put them on the spot, but they see things, and it, God just gives messages that way. And so it's, it's impressions, and it's, a, it's, it's similar to in, intuition, but it's not intuition, all right? Intuition is knowing something I'm not going to try to explain this, okay? Y'all know what intuition is, all right? Okay. It's not intuition, because intuition is a, is a, a human ability. And it can be improved, and, and you can learn things to watch things and see things. But it's not imp- imp- in- intuition. These feelings, these images, these things that we feel, they don't begin in us. They begin in the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between intuition and the impression that I'm talking about. And so I would, in, I would in, encourage you, when you have one of those, to write it down. Because here's what I've learned. They are fleeting. They happen, and if you don't act on them, they go. But the more you act on them, the clearer they become. The more often I, I, what I'm saying is when you practice and do those things, they get easier to understand. They get easier to see. You know for certain that this is God speaking to you. So he uses impressions. Now, if you want to see impressions in Scripture, if you read the book of Nehemiah, you will hear this phrase over and over, then God put it in my mind. God put it in my mind. Nehemiah says that in, at one time in, 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 in chapter 7, verse 5. God put it in his mind to, to go back to Israel because the city was destroyed. When he was, when he was in the city, God put it in his mind to get on his donkey and ride around and survey things. And God put it in his mind. And so he put an impression in his mind. And, and Nehemiah learned to act on it. Now, all of these modes and, and these manners, once you've received the revelation, then what do you do? You have to decide, do I share this with the person that God's directing me to, or do I just write it down and pray about it? Okay? Those are the, that's the question. Okay, what do I do with it, God? Because here, here and I want to I give you permission. You don't have to, I don't have to give you permission. I just want to free you up to do something. If God gives you a word for somebody, a private word, it's for them, it's between you and them, you don't have to tell me. I don't need to know about it. It's not for me. All right, now if God gives you a word for the church or for me, come share it with me, please. All right, but if he gives it, if he gives it to you for somebody else, just go and share it. If that's what you're supposed to do, if you're just supposed to pray about it, just pray about it. All right, and and God will be clear. Ask God, what do I do with this? I have this impression. I, it sounds strange. It sounds odd. Well, you know. And if God doesn't say go and share it, then it means keep it and pray. Okay, because very often God will give prophetic 
uh, words to people so that they can pray. So they'll know what's on God's heart. So that they can intercede for a situation or a circumstance. Uh, I've seen him do that over and over and over in some prophetic people's lives. So, you know, sometimes they're to give to a person. Sometimes they're to partner with God in prayer. How, that, how you deliver it, though, now we're going to talk a little bit about that. Depends on the varieties and the effects of the ministry he's given you. All right? And by that I mean sometimes they will be verbally spoken. You will go to that person and you will verbally tell them. Okay, that's, that may be one of the most common. Sometimes they're 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 written down. Now I want to I want to caution you here a little bit, and I want to I just want to what you heard may not be what God said. All right, so you you have to we're we're not infallible. We're not inerrant, so we have to test it. But I would just encourage you to take care how you phrase the opening few words. All right. I am far more comfortable telling someone, you know what, I believe God shared this with me. Or you know what, I, 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 was, I was praying and I, I believe I heard God say this and he wanted me to share this with you, okay? Do that until you get some practice under your belt, okay? Because whenever you use the words, thus saith the Lord, all right, you, you are giving an impression now, the prophets in the Old Testament use it over and over. But you're giving an impression that you heard what God said, and you know what God says, and you know what you need to speak. Listen, if you're just starting out, <laughs> you probably haven't, and you probably won't. And here's what happens very often. Those words are used to control. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I heard God speak, so you need to listen to me and do what I tell you to do. Listen, that's not from God. That's, it's, it's not from God. So use a gentler way of, of saying it and a, and a more indirect way, but always ask permission before you do it. I don't ever give anybody anything until I ask them, would it be okay if I shared this with you? And I've never had a person say, nope, don't want to hear it. Okay, you might run into somebody like that. I hear people say, well, God gave it to me. I got to speak it. Well, here's what God also says in 1 Corinthians 14, 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Which means that the gift is not a staff fly open outcome. By that I mean it just doesn't land on you and your mouth fly open out come the words. All right? God uses the manner in which he speaks to you. And he gives, he gives you the ability and the permission to share it. All right? If you want to. Or if you don't. All right. He doesn't force it out of you. He doesn't. He doesn't take hold of you like he would a GI Joe or a Barbie doll and squeeze it till it till it does what you want it to do. He does not work that way. You exercise this gift and every other gift. They are exercised under your control. It's the grace. It's not. A, it's it's grace. It's not an uncontrollable uh, compulsion. Now sometimes prophetic people. Write them on cards, or they write them in letters, or they notes. Other other ways that sometimes a prophetic words delivered is through a song. They write songs. Sometimes they write poetry. Sometimes they 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 do it in another artistic manner. I've seen people that prophetically paint it. 
Okay, the, 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 the word that God was giving was in that painting, or it might be a drawing, or it might even be in dance or drama. Now, those are ways that I'll guarantee most of us don't understand, okay? So I don't know if God's going to use that, but he can if he wants to. And some may just simply give the word in a way that the person who receives it doesn't even know it's a quote, quote, prophetic word. It might even just sound like advice. Or counsel. But when that person hears it, they know in here that the problem they have is, can be solved. And, and, and they can face the issue that they face. And so the, the gift of prophecy, like every other gift, has to be embraced and it has to be employed. And by that I mean it has to be practiced. And the more consistent we practice it, if we have that gift, the more that gift enables the person and their gifting to mature. The better you know your gifting, the better you understand it and how it works, the more productive the Holy Spirit can make you in the kingdom of God. He just doesn't sit this or any other gift on your head and say, hey, have at it. It's fully formed and you're ready to go. No, he he puts it almost in seed form. And we have to learn. We have to unwrap it. We have to get used to it. We have to figure out how it works for us. Our problem is we look at somebody else who has the gift and that's the way we think we're supposed to do it. And it may not necessarily be. We have to to practice. We have to learn where it becomes almost something that you don't strain or stretch or have to labor to do. And that's true of every gift. It's like operating this week. Part of what we did in Mexico was we went out to churches. And we let the pastors know weeks ago that we would be there and we would stay as long as we needed to do and we would pray and encourage their people for as long as we needed to pray. The first church we went to, most some of you who have been know Sace Dianero, uh we had 30 ladies there who sat quietly and waited all day long for their time to be prayed for. And as we prayed, the gifts of the Spirit would flow and it was just as natural one of the team members had a had a gift of encouragement. Another team member had a very strong prophetic gift. It's different than the gift I have. And we just ministered. And when one felt like it was time to, to minister, they'd just step up there and minister to that person. And the rest of us would just stand back. It was so natural and so healing. And God was just there. It wasn't, uh, wasn't strange. It wasn't loud. I saw God this week put together, back together, a husband and a wife whom are parents of, of some of the pastors, of uh, the one of the pastors and his wife, it's, it's, it's their parents. Most of their married life, he was a drunkard and he was abusive. And he met Jesus. Fifteen years ago, he met Jesus. And he changed completely. I mean, he, he, all of a sudden, he's a totally different man. And yet his wife had been so hurt so many times that she had just shut down. And she couldn't forgive him. She's a believer, but she couldn't forgive him. And I watched God through some prophetic words and through some encouragement change her heart. This lady had just had a, the last chemo treatment. Her cancer was in remission. She had no hair. I'm just telling you. And all of a sudden, God just gave her the strength. And she turns to her husband and she says, I forgive you. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's like heaven came down. Okay? I mean, it was, I can't describe it. I just sat over there and cried. 
It was, it was beautiful. It was just God working. Nothing I did, nothing Harry did, nothing Armin did, nothing uh, uh, Debbie did. No, it wasn't anything we did. We were just pipes, conduits. He did it. And, and I saw this man who the only thing he wanted in the world was to hear those words. I saw him break down. And just, if he could have taken her up in his arms, he would have. And they kissed. And, and I mean, it's just beautiful. And the neat thing about it is their daughter got to see it. Now, they'd already made peace with their daddy, but they didn't think that was ever going to happen with their mom and dad. But it did. And so, God, we just got to try. There were some things I said this week that I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, is that you? It's got to be because it's not me, and I know it's not the devil. And I just stepped out there. You have to learn. You have to practice. And so God, the scripture says, he, tra- he shares his secrets with the prophets. He never does anything that he doesn't share with the prophetic people. But he shares the ones who have proven trustworthy. All right? So if he gives you a word, you've got to learn to be quiet with it. Just because you get a word doesn't mean your mouth needs to fly open and you, you scream it and shout it. You need to learn to listen more than you talk. You need to learn to keep a confidence, all right? If you can't keep a confidence, God's not going to give you any words, all right? I'm just telling you that. You need to learn to be gracious and gentle and know how to keep a confidence. And, and there's, there are some problems that come with this gift, and there are problems with every other gift, but I'm going I'm to share some with this one, and we're going to be done. Everybody... Uh, that has a prophetic gift, needs to learn never to trust negative thoughts or impressions about other people. If you got an issue with somebody that's not resolved, don't prophesy to them. All right? Because it's not from God. It's that simple. It's not. It's that simple. You, you never prophesy out of your emotions. You never prophesy out of your anger or jealousy. Jealousy and anger block God's voice and they open you up to demonic revelation. You start hearing what you want to hear. You put yourself in, in, in the judge's position sometimes. And so we've got to be careful about uh, prophesying or in anger or in jealousy. Uh, just a word of warning. If you have a prophetic gifting and it, it begins to manifest and you begin to follow the Lord in it, you're probably going to have to deal with rejection. All right? Because everybody doesn't want to hear God speak. (laughs) All right, I'm just being serious with you. Most prophetic people usually experience a lot of rejection. So they're highly susceptible to rejection. They're viewed sometimes with suspicion and fear. Because we think they know exactly what we're thinking. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They don't. They just know the little bit that God showed them. We look in a mirror dimly, okay? We don't see everything. So, so sometimes, though, they're, they're viewed with suspicion and fear. And sometimes it's a very lonely walk for a person who has a prophetic gift. And so they got to learn to deal with, with rejection in the right way. And they have to learn to deal with the bitterness that may come and, and the neg- negativity and the self-pity. Uh, you don't want those things to take pro- uh, to take control. And, and literally, the greater the prophetic gifting, the greater the persecution will be. That's just the way it is. You, you study the prophets of Scripture. Nobody threw a party when they came to town. Okay? 
It was more like this. Oh, God, what have they got to say? Oh, no. It was dread and stuff. It doesn't have to be that way in the church. Okay? We're to, we're to prophetically use that gift to encourage, to build up. You can give a hard word by giving it with encouragement. Okay? I've given a few this week. But I did it. I said, let me encourage you. I want to share this with you. The way that person could understand. Share it word for word the way I got it. I, I interpreted it in a way that person could understand it and then use it. Same word. They knew God knew. Okay? Okay. Prophetically gifted people have to learn to avoid being people pleasers. Okay? Because if you are a people pleaser, it's easy to prophesy what you think someone wants to hear. And if you do that, it's a gift killer. The gift, the prophecy has to come from God, and it's not always what people want to hear. And listen, I just say this because I am one. But church folks can be some of the meanest, most demanding, most spiteful, vindictive people when they hear something they don't want to hear. Or they don't hear what they want to hear. Amen? I mean, that's just true. That's who we are sometimes. So we have to learn that what John shares in Revelation chapter 19.10. We have to learn that that testimony is the spirit of Jesus. That, that prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. And so we just have to deal with, you know, if I've got to, if I got to have a pat on the back for everything I do, I, it's not, I'm not, it's not going to work with this gift. Okay. It, it's got to be about the glory of Jesus, not the, not personal glory. And every one of us need to learn to pray the prayer that John the Baptist prayed in John uh, 3.30. He must increase, but I must decrease. Or he, yes, he must increase, but I must decrease. And so we, we have to be careful about having these visions of grandeur, okay? We want to be a prophet to the nations. I mean, God calls prophetic people to speak to nations, but he doesn't call all of us to do that. Some of us, he just calls to speak to, to regular people. And to situations and circumstances that are not on a national scale. And, and no prophetic person gets it right all the time. We have to take responsibility for what we prophesy. We have to be accountable for it. And so if we get it wrong, we have to learn to say, you know what? I was wrong. You say, well, that'll kill my credibility. No, that'll build your credibility. One of the things I learned as a father early on uh, in, 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 in dealing and discipline my daughter was that when I blew it and I disciplined out of anger or I disciplined out of frustration, you know, God would just, he'd pierce my heart. And I would go to her and say, honey, you know what? Daddy's sorry. That was, that was wrong. That was wrong. And she'd hug my neck. And I learned lessons. Okay? But my, my respect in her eyes grew. And so, you know, people respect and they trust People who will admit when they get it wrong. Now, I'm going to I'm going to give this one, and then we're going to close this, and we're going to pray, and we'll be done. I kind of mentioned this a while ago, but be careful if you have a prophetic gift that you don't use it to try to control people. Okay, that's a sure sign that the prophetic person has issues that they have not dealt with in their own personal lives. It's abuse. It's not prophecy. 
So beware of falling into the trap of giving a prophetic word in return for some kind of compensation. Don't take anything for it. Freely you received, freely you give. Uh, the gift has been given to you to exalt Jesus, so it, it's not given to enrich church members. Be careful about calling out people's sins in public. All right? No, that's not the. That's not the. You you can call out a person's sins, but you can do it in a way. That, so let me tell you what God said. You don't do that. We're not going to do that here. Okay. I'm going to shut you down if you, I'm just telling, I'm warning you, okay? I will shut you down if you do that, because that's not biblical. You're not an Old Testament prophet. You are a New Testament prophetic person. So we don't do that. Here's, here's some rules of thumb. Don't match make. Don't tell anybody that God told you that so-and-so is supposed to get married, okay? You say, well, that sounds crazy. People do that all the time. Listen, if God wants them to get married, he'll tell her. And he'll tell him. And if somebody comes up to you and says, ladies, God told me that you and I are supposed to be married. You tell them, well, you know what? God hasn't told me that. Because that person is trying to control. They're trying to intimidate. Does that make sense? Don't, that's, the gift's not supposed to be used like that. Don't tell people that they're supposed to quit their job. Okay. Don't tell them that. Don't tell people they're supposed to not take their medicine. All right? You're stepping into places that you don't have authority to step into. Don't tell a person you're supposed to leave your spouse. God gave me a word and you're supposed to leave your... Don't do that, okay? That's abuse. That's control. So we're not going to do those things. And if, if, a per, if God gives you a word for somebody that exposes their sin, give that person an opportunity to deal with it in private. Just think about you. God has not embarrassed most of us. He just confronts us and then lets us have time to work it out. God is a God of restoration, not shame. He's not a God of condemnation. So we've got to learn to use this gift and all the other gifts in a redemptive manner. The gift of prophecy is to be used for these reasons right here. Edification according to Ephesians 14.3. Edification, exhortation, and consolation. Okay? Not condemnation. We need this gift in our body. Okay? We need to know what God is saying right now sometimes. So we need this gift, and we, we desperately from time to time need a word from God to guide us. And you know what? My prayer says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, 39, Therefore, my brethren, brethren desire earnestly to prophesy. We're, we're to desire it. All right? Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash eagleswingchurch. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.